It was glad to be in church. Thanks, Toa. That was a <laughs> Who else is glad to be in church? Yeah, that's a bit better. Who's glad to be in the aircon this morning? <laughs> I was standing at the service station for a few minutes, and yeah, that was not good a, a good idea, especially with the denim jacket on. I felt so stupid. People were looking at me like, why does this guy have a jacket on? Yeah, it's all just for show, right? Okay, just uh, don't, don't feel comfortable preaching with the T-shirt, so I'll put this on. But yeah, it's a hot day out there. Um, we're going to pray before we get into the Word this morning. Uh, the Word is, the Bible tells us, is sharper than a two-edged sword, which means that it is precise. It is able to take something out of you that is not quite right. It is able to bring healing, right? You think about a, a surgeon with a scalpel. That is what the Word of God is like to us. To bring and preserve and transform our lives. That's why I love the Word of God. So let's pray this morning and pray that the Word transforms us. Father, we thank you. First of all, for sending your Son, Jesus. And we thank you for your Word. We thank you that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will last forever. And I ask you that this morning that you would speak to me firstly, you would speak to all of our people that are sitting here, that we would experience truth in a deeper way than we have ever experienced before. Father, that we would just not hear something and then just go, oh yeah, that was good, that was nice, I'm out. But that this truth would be like a seed that goes deep into our hearts and would start to germinate and would start to grow into a big oak tree that would produce fruit, seeds that would create a forest of oak strong roots in your word leading to a life of purpose and destiny and we ask this all in the name of jesus and everyone said amen we're going to continue the series called if you've been here for the last few weeks what's it called oasis 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 is is an unexpected water source it's a place of freshness. It's a place of life in a desert, which is a place of death. And our key verse for this is John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. It says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is an analogy for anyone who wants life, anyone who wants purpose, anyone who wants a destiny, anyone who wants something that is sustainable, that's going to last, that's going to satisfy you, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So this life 
which we receive from Jesus will also flow from within us. And he says what that is. That is the Holy Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now, in the last few weeks, we've actually been talking a lot about the armor of God. And, and I, I thought maybe I missed kind of um, titled the series Oasis because we've spending, been spending so much in the armor of God. But the idea is this. God has given us his promises. But if we only speak about the promises of God and not the, str uh, the struggle that we face, sometimes we think there is something wrong with us because everyone else is living in freshness, but we are having a bit of a struggle. So we've been spending some time in Ephesians chapter 6 to look at the truth that life is often a struggle and a spiritual one at that. We're going to go there in just a second and look at Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Back in grade 8, high school. <clears throat> now that was a long time ago for me. I'm starting to feel old. Because when you start to go, you know, back in my day, uh, or you start to go, oh, when I was in high school, 20 years ago, yeah, you know, you're getting on. But when I was in high school, and this was when I was in grade eight, it was uh, time to try out for the sport teams, right? So on Wednesday afternoon, at that point in time, uh, and by the way, grade eight was the start of high school. I know it's grade seven now, but grade eight was start of high school. And it was time to try out for some of the sporting teams. And I decided I'm gonna try out for baseball because I used to play softball in primary school. And I'm gonna try out for basketball, okay? <clears throat> So I was there trying out for baseball, and uh, so we were all lining up, going to go get a bat, and I wasn't really paying attention. I'm just, you know, doing my thing. Just, uh, you know, they have a little bit of a screen there that you can stand behind. I wasn't standing behind that screen, and uh, I was with another, you know, couple of guys next to me. We just, uh, you know, just, I don't know, just not paying attention, right? And... Uh, the pitcher, he was, he played for club. He was grade 12 and he knew what he was doing. So he was pitching pretty hard. And he threw the ball, the batter deflected the ball and it headed straight for me. And in a split second, it hit me so incredibly hard. Let's just say in, in the lower abdomen, okay? Now, it wasn't catastrophic, okay? But it was too close to home and I had a massive bruise. That's the truth. And I'm like, it freaked me out. It freaked me out. I had a huge bruise and I made it into the A team, baseball team, and I made it into the B team, basketball team. All right? I chose the B team, basketball team. I'm like, yeah, forget this. I'm not going to go through one of those again. It was just too close, right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes, often, we make decisions on the bruises and the hurts of our past rather than the promises of God. Because the bruises and the pain sometimes sticks out more and causes us a lot more hardship. And we're like, oh, don't want to go through that again. Let's go that way. And to think, I could have been a professional baseball player. Why are you laughing? Stop it. Like, I think I was only chosen for the A team because they didn't have enough players, but <clears throat> I made it into the A team. But I chose the, because I remembered the pain. And often, we substitute the promises of God 
for our fears, our disappointments, and our regrets, and our anxieties. Because they stick out. And so we want to talk about the struggle because God has freshness, has life, has purpose, has destiny for each and every one of us. Life and life abundantly. And Paul wants us to know that the struggle for the promises of God is worth it. So why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We've been looking at the armor of God, like I mentioned. We looked at the belt of truth. We looked at the breastplate of righteousness. We looked at the shield of faith, the gospel of the, ready, uh, the readiness of the gospel. Let me start that again. And your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And today we're going to cover the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And that's going to be tying up this series. <clears throat> next, next month we're going to go into the values of, of what God, uh, God has called our church to be. <clears throat> and I'm looking forward to that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong. Why don't you turn to someone and say, be strong. That's a good reminder. Paul is telling us every single word in the Bible is there for a reason. He's telling us to be strong because sometimes we can feel that's also normal. Be strong in the Lord and in His, His mighty power. Not yours, His power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's, devil's schemes. For our struggle, everyone say struggle. There it is. It says struggle. I don't know if you're facing some struggles in your life. Maybe it's with your kids or a close relationship. Maybe there's depression. There's an offense that you're carrying. There's a health issue, a mental health issue. There's struggles. There's things in our past, fears, anxieties. But here's Paul's take on it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There's apparently more than meets the eye. There's more going on in your life than pure causality. That happened and he did this and she did that and because of that, that's is why I am and that. Apparently there's more going on. There's something spiritual. And Paul says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You know, I was thinking when I read that this week, I was thinking of my non-Christian colleagues at, at work that are, you know, they're engineers and they're fairly logical people. And um, as far as I don't know, they do, as far as I know, they don't have a deep faith or Christian faith anyway. Um, and I was thinking, you know, what if I were to read them this verse and say, oh, you know, we believe that there are rulers uh, against the authorities, against powers of darkness world, in this world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I'm going to be like, yeah, man, you'd be crazy. <laughs> you know, you, you, you're okay. There's, but think about... Think about what we believe. And I've said this before, but we believe 
that we are, are not just, we, we believe we're spiritual beings. We're not just here for this 80 years, 90 years, whatever, however long we live. We are eternal. We will live forever. We believe that our lives actually matter. What we do here has eternal value and eternal purpose. We believe that we will stand before an almighty God one day and He will judge our lives. But He won't look at us through our own, how we have lived. He'll look at us, if we have our faith in Jesus Christ, He will look, at up, look upon us as His Son that we will be accepted, that Jesus would stand on our behalf, we would be forgiven. We believe all of that. Let's take it a step further and actually believe what Paul says about this spiritual life that we're living, that apparently there is more going on than what meets the eye. There is a spiritual world around us that is impacting, really impacting upon the way we live. That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, we struggle. I have not met a person that does not struggle. Like if they are honest. But anyone that I've gotten close to, and anyone that has gotten close to me, you're going to see some struggle. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, this is not just, just psychology. They're sure, sure, they there is psychology. It's not just financial. It's not just relational. It's not just health issues. They're all real. But there's something else going on. And then he gives us some tools that we can be effective in living this life so we can claim the full promises of God. So we cannot live by our bruises and live by our fears and live by our worries, but we can live in the promises in hope in faith and in the destiny that God has called us to. So we've been going through that for the last few weeks. And if you missed it, you can go back, you can listen to the previous messages on YouTube and Facebook, but let's just keep going with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I want to finish reading where we were from. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand your ground. This reminds me of what Jesus said. He goes, you build your house upon the rock. When the waves, when the water rises and the wind comes, you're going to stand. You build your house upon the sand, it's going to come crashing down. Idea here is to build firmly to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to talk about the helmet. The helmet of salvation. Apparently really vital. You know why? Because your head's important. <laughs> I hope I didn't have, I hope that didn't shock anyone. If that has, you haven't been wearing, you fell over one too many times without your helmet. 
like your head is vitally important if you get into a car crash or any crash you want to first protect your head before you protect anything else so apparently paul is saying this is one of the key aspects of understanding so we can struggle well and we can overcome our enemy is understanding what is it salvation salvation now what is salvation salvation is the idea of being saved redeemed rescued paul is saying it is vitally important that you know that you are saved but saved from what is that a good question we're saved from our sin but there's more to it than just being saved from our sin from the wrath of god there is saved from the effects of sin and the damaging effects of sin compounded over time through the work of sanctification now let's get a little bit let's get our theology on for a second is that all right okay all right there's some things that we need to know now there are three aspects to salvation and theologians call call it the now but not yet we are saved right we've experienced the saving grace of jesus christ but it's not fully being expressed that will be that will happen when we see christ when our body is glorified so there's three aspects to salvation the first is this is you were saved if you believed in jesus christ at some point in your life if you put your faith in him you have been saved you've been justified your sin has been washed away you've been made right with god but you are and that's called justification but you are also being saved which means that you're being transformed inwardly you're being changed i'm not the same person that i was a year ago as i go into the word of god as i meet around with people as i worship as god speaks to me i'm continuously being transformed more into the likeness and the purpose of jesus christ that is the process of sanctification but then you will also be saved in that in the sense that one day when jesus returns your body will be freed from sin completely that is glorification we will be changed when we see him we will be like him so there's justification there's sanctification and then there's glorification a lot, a lot of occasions going on right but salvation is so broad it's like we are saved we are being saved and we will be saved and this transformation is holistic it's a, it's about everything it's about our relationships it's about the way we see the world it's about the way we see money it's about the way we see sexuality it's about the way we see community it's everything it's so big it's so amazing one peter verse chapter one verse three to nine says this praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth new birth what is that that's justification he saved us he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade what is he talking about where is one place in the, where is is there any place in the earth where there will be no decay where something will not 
fail or perish, spoil or fade. No, that's kind of the world that we live in. So what's he talking about? He's talking about our eternal life. He's talking about the time to come. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the glorification part of it. We will be saved. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may, be, you may have had to, to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that you may be, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, I'm going to read that again. So these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may still result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Apparently, it's really, really important to our life and the way we live to know that our full salvation is to come. One of the greatest lies that the enemy our system, the devil's schemes, is to tell us that the only thing that you have is this life. That is one of the greatest lies. Think about how much pressure that puts on you. I need to live and to get everything I can out of this life. That's a lie. The greatest joy, the greatest things, the greatest value, the, the greatest inheritance is yet to come. We cannot even touch it. it will, we cannot even, ex, we can experience a little bit of it through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but it's yet to come. And when we live through this, understanding, it protects our minds, it protects who we are, it protects our disappointment, it protects us in our fear and our anxieties on all that human stuff that's going on, knowing that God has something that will not be taken, that will not fade, that will not spoil. He has my reward and it is in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? And apparently for these people, that understanding of what is to come filled them with joy even in their trial. Because they understood that our life is not just about now. That even in our suffering, it produces a pureness, that a, a value, a heart towards God that is more valuable to God than pure gold. And you know pure gold, you know how much that's worth. A kilo of gold, you know how much that's worth? Yeah, a lot. I think it's about $50,000. And it would be about this big. And so what Paul is saying to us is that even through your trials, when you have a proper view of eternity, that's going to hold you sturdy. You're going to fight the fight well. I, I don't want to reduce some of the troubles that, that, that people are going through. I mean, we just heard yesterday about a young man who tragically passed away in, in sudden circumstances and the brokenness of that family, we cannot even imagine. We prayed for them this morning. I don't want to minimize the stuff that goes on, the suffering that goes on in people's lives. But when we can reframe that and go, God, one day you will wipe away every tear. One day you will make it all right. One day you will do that. 
one day this, this body of death, this body that, you know, this knee that hurts, this back that's giving me issues, all of that stuff will be made right. Right now, I'm called to rejoice in the Lord. To know that my future is in Him. Is that good news? Particularly for our young people here. You know, the world puts so much pressure on you. Your social media feed puts so much pressure on you. Like you need to live a life that is like impossible to live and even the people that are apparently living it are not. Like so many of them are taking their lives because they're not living the life that they portray that they're living because it doesn't exist because everything on this world is subject to decay and to pain and to hurt and to sin and to death. Can I, can I just encourage you to, to get your head out of that and to get your head into, into what the Bible says about who you are in your future, to form your identity around the person of Jesus Christ and not what other people think about you? Can I, can I, that, that, will just, that will just solve so many health, mental health problems just there. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. I was watching a documentary we were on a holiday a few years ago. We were on a cruise ship and uh, the kids were sleeping. So I got a pass, you can go out and uh, go watch one of the movies. And so I went on deck and sitting back on the deck watching this, this movie. And uh, it was a documentary it came up, it's pretty interesting, you know. Uh, it, it was called Free Solo. And it's about a professional rock climber named uh, Alex um, Honnold. And he attempted to conquer the first free solo climb of the famed El Capitan 900 meter vertical rock face in Yosemite National Park. 900 meters. The free solo is climbing without any ropes. Okay? So he, he, he trained with ropes for months and months. And one day, like, I mean, this is crazy. Like, uh, I remember him. He's showing, showing some of the, the, the tricky maneuvers he had to do. There was a wedge between in, in this cliff face, I think it was about 400 meters up, where he basically needed to put his leg up. I can't even put my leg up that high, but that high and just drop and wedge himself between it and then climb to the other side. That was the line that he was taking. And this is like hundreds of meters up, right? So like, I don't want to be dramatic, but if he slipped, he dies, okay? And so he needs to do it perfectly. And his thing was, look, I want to do this because for me it's the closest to perfection I can get. Because if I don't do it perfectly, I don't come home. But if I get out of it, it's because I've, I've, I've achieved perfection. So he practiced for months. And one day, he got up in the morning, he didn't tell anyone. The cameras were already set up. People just expected that one day he'll go out and do it. And he just went and did it. 900 meters. Now, just to give you an example, this is probably, what is this, six meters? Yeah, it's about six meters. 900. Like, pick the biggest building in the city. It's bigger than that by a long shot. So dangerous, but he lived. He, he made it. He did. He was pretty happy at the end of it. But there's a massive risk involved the confidence that it takes 
to make that sort of, to take your life in your own hands. Can I suggest that that might be okay for rock climbing, but that's not how we are meant to live our lives and our salvation with Jesus Christ. It's not in our own hands. It's not based on our own ability. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and Him being able to sustain us to the very end. That's the helmet. That's the protection. That's the confidence. I don't ride a motorbike, but, but I assume that when a motorbike rider has his helmet on and has his leathers on, that there is some confidence. I don't climb, uh, I don't climb walls, ever, okay? But I suspect that when someone has a harness on and a rope, that it gives them a certain amount of confidence. Jude tells us this. Look at this celebration. Look at this. To him, if we bring it up, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God. Look at the celebration. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Why is he celebrating? Because there's a promise that God will keep us from stumbling and present us to himself pure and holy. How's that for confidence and walking through this world? He's got you. Amen? Amen. The helmet of salvation. Walking through this world with confidence in God being able to finish the good work that he has started, that you have an eternal inheritance through your faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't come because you work really hard. It doesn't come because you're a good person. None of us are good. None of us are good in a perfect sense. But it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And the last piece of this armor, if you like, it's an offensive weapon. It's take, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to notice that the sword in the armor is the only offensive weapon. But it's, it's also a defensive weapon. Now, the sword that he's talking about here, the word that is used is, is for a short sword. It's the sword that they used hand-to-hand combat. There was also a long sword that was kind of just, you, you needed two hands to wield it. That's not the sword. It's, it's talking about something that was very precise. It's the sword that Peter used to cut off the servant's ear when Jesus was being arrested. It was a small sword, right? It's a precise weapon. And the sword is apparently what? The word. Now, this in and of itself is not going to cause any damage. No weapon. It's not really a weapon. What is going to cause damage or what's going to cause the offensive or the defensive is your understanding of what is in it. Standing upon the word is not putting the Bible on the ground and standing upon it. It's understanding what it says and believing it and basing your life and the direction you're going on it. Am I making sense? 
And so we've got to ask ourselves, really, how serious are we about understanding the Word of God? When Jesus was tempted, when Jesus led, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 5, when he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert place, and yes, sometimes God will lead us into that place. And he was tempted by Satan. What was Jesus' response? He says, it is written. He quoted scripture. When, G, when, when Satan quoted scripture to Jesus, Jesus quoted scripture back to him to give it the right context. So we learn something from this one. We need to know what the Bible says, and we need to know it holistically, because you could take one verse out of context and, t and say just about anything. And if we want to understand truth, we've got to understand the Word. If we want God to be able to speak to us, we've got to understand what is in this book. It's as simple as that. There's so many lies, even in Christians' lives, because we do not understand the Bible. We do not understand what is in the Word. There are things that, that are compounding in people's lives, things, lies like, you know, I'm a failure. I'm not going to amount to anything. You know, my family has always been like this, and I'll always be like this. There's so many lies that compound in us that we cannot act, we, because we don't, know, we don't know how to defend against that, or we don't know how to cut that off because we don't know the Word of God. So can I encourage you? If you're a Christian in this place, can, and you want to be equipped to live in the fullness of the promises of God, to make the Bible an ongoing part of your life ongoing it's not like you read it and then it's done it's an ongoing understanding an ongoing study from year to year to year from decade to decade that you build one, one you're on a foundation that is solid higher and higher and higher so you would understand holistically who you were called to be and when those lies and those thoughts that come against you you are able to defend and say no that's not true because this is what the word of god says what what we're asked to do is over time is to build our identity around the person of jesus christ and not the things of this world you know, for some people, I see them, you know, some people come to Christ and God just breaks some things off so quickly, and, and that's amazing. But, but for the most part, it's an ongoing journey of constant change. And so, can I give you a couple of quick things that just to help us to, to learn the sword of the Spirit? Number one, read it. Read it. Like, if you want to be a Christian equipped to live the fullness that God has called you to live, you need to understand the Word of God. You need to just read it. Spend some time reading it. It could just be five minutes a day. Just start with that. You know, when you're hungry and you eat, you get full. In the spiritual, when you, are, when you, when you start eating, you get more and more hungry. Right? When you, you, if you start reading the word about God five minutes and then you understand what it says, I guarantee you're going to want more. Give that a couple of months and you're going to be like, I, I, I could use a little bit more. Right? You're going to get more and more hungry. You're going to get more and more larger. You're going you're to want meat. 
but it starts with just having that little bit, taking that taste and seeing that it's good. Then study it. You know, there's so many good devotionals out there. There are online studying. There's great podcasts. Whatever, however you consume content. Don't let it just be a, oh, yeah, I didn't understand that, whatever. Get into it. And here's another one. Teach it. Teach it. You're like, oh, but I've only been a Christian for a week. Yeah. And you know people that, are not Christi- that, 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 uh, that aren't Christians at all. You could teach them. Because when you teach something, it becomes a part of who you are. I've heard people that say, oh, I started taking Sunday school and I learned so much. It's true. Because the, the truths that we teach aren't so deep that children can't understand them. But they're so incredibly deep that they are transformative to children and adults and societies and empires and the entire world because they are true. They're the basis of the world. So in all of this, I know it's a lot of content and a lot of information, but basically this, this, is, this is what I want to say. I believe God is saying to us, He's called us to live a rich and satisfying life. He has. And at times, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a struggle. But he's also equipped us for that struggle so we can live in the fullness of who God calls us to be. We can go to Jesus. We can receive what we need. And we can be that oasis for a struggling and hurting world, a a family, a community around us. Let's not live by our bruises, by our hurts, by our past. Let's take the Word of God. Let's take His promises, base our life upon that, and live the eternal, fruitful, rich, and satisfying life that He has for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to people. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Maybe you're here and you have not yet had this opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. The gospel is this, that none of us are perfect. None of us are right, not 100%. We're all a little bit broken and we all have sin in our past. But the gift of God is this, is forgiveness, eternal life, redemption, transformation, salvation. Because of Jesus taking upon himself all the penalty, all the hurt, all the shame, all the guilt of our sin. And all is left is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his
Now, if, if you're saying here, yeah, I want to step into that. I want to receive that. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing in just a second. I want you to raise your hand so I can see it. No one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't put your hand down till I see it because I want to just pray with you after church. After everyone goes their separate ways, I just want to find you, I want to pray with you. But if that's you saying, yes, I want to receive Jesus, why don't you place your hand up right now so I can see it. Don't put it down till I see it, please. Is there anyone here? Yeah, I'm ready to receive Christ. Is there anyone here who has made a decision to follow Jesus, but you know that you are, that you've taken a step away and you haven't lived the way that he's called you to live, but you've, you've understood something this morning. God has spoken to you. God has, God has done something in your heart and you're saying, yeah, I want to I change. I want to change my direction. If that's you. Why don't you just place your hand up right now? Awesome, I see that hand. Put that down. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else saying, yeah, awesome, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Father. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that there's no condemnation. There's, there's just love and acceptance because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the celebration of the saints which are together. Now, honoring the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. team up, is that alright? stand together.
Father, be, be honored by our praise and our worship and our gathering around your word today. We enjoy you. We celebrate you. We enjoy the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. And we thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the word, sword of the spirit. Be honored, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. What a great day in church. I want you to grab a coffee. If you're here for the first time, we would love to give you a gift pack. Our ushers will have that for you. And grab a coffee on us. Jesus is the 